<laughs> All right, so um, last week uh, we talked about marriage, and tonight we're talking about marriage again, and um, last week we talked about uh, marriage being a covenant, and we, we talked a little bit about what that looks like and how back in a long time ago, covenants were made, and they would take an animal, right, and I, I said they, they would cut the animal in half, put one animal side, half of the animal over here, the other animal half over here, and they would uh, actually make vows to each other, and then they would walk, um, the people that are making the covenant, the vows with each other, would walk through the middle of the animal, and what they were saying was, is if I break this vow, I will be like this animal, all right? And so I, we, we talked about how the covenant, a covenant involves three lives, right? Three pieces. It involves two people making a vow, and then this sacrifice, and, and, and then we talked about how in a marriage, there are two people, a husband and wife, and they make vows to each other, but there's also another person involved um, and another person that keeps the covenant together even when we fail to keep our vows. And that person is Jesus. And, and so this is the covenant. Um, and Jesus says, I will actually be the sacrifice for you. I will be the animal for you so that your marriage um, can succeed. Um, and if Jesus is part of your marriage and part of um, your covenant with each other, um, uh, then that is what we said in the first week was the secret to marriage. And so um, tonight, um, we're going to talk about the mission um, of marriage. And so I want to just read to you guys God's word. Um, we've been in Ephesians 5. Um, if you have the Bible app on your phone, um, you can pull it up. Um, and it's pretty easy to find. You just go to Ephesians 5 um, and click on it. And then we'll be um, starting in verse 18. Um, so turn with me to Ephesians 5, verse 18. This is God's word spoken to you. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to God with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, she might, um, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Um, this is God's word. Um, I want you guys to think about this question. What do you think, what do you think is the mission of marriage? What's the purpose? What's the meaning behind marriage? Uh, one of the things when I was in high school and I, I was reflecting on this and it, it made me laugh a little bit, um, is that one of my goals, um, and if you read my journals or my diaries, um, as a high school student, which I never want you guys to ever read, but something that I talked a lot about in my writing was how I wanted to one day get married. I would think about it frequently um, and often, and in some ways way too much. Um, to be married for me was a way that I was going to measure my meaning. It was gonna be a way that I measured my lovability and my success. 
I would be able to say to the world, see, see, I'm married. So therefore I'm lovable. Um, therefore someone loves me and I matter to somebody. In my innermost being, marriage was my mission. It was my end goal for my life. It was the way that I would prove to all the ladies who rejected me, all right? It was my way to prove to them that somebody loves me and I'm worth loving. Um, it was a way that I would also prove to myself uh, that I'm actually lovable. So in all of my relationships, and this even affected my friendships, and this might even affect my relationships with you guys, it's often all about me. It's often all about me proving to you, to my girlfriends, to my friends, that I deserve to be loved. But when I chased after this in high school and after these relationships, um, there was this continuous and painful cycle of like acceptance and then of rejection. I would be loved for a season by my friends and, um, sorry, I would be loved for a season by my friends and, and, and by my um, relationships. Then at some point, I would disappoint them, right? At some point, I would let them down. And then at some point, they would let me down and, I would and they would disappoint me. Um, no one was enough for me and I was not enough for anyone. So I wanna ask you this question too. Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt like you're, 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 you don't belong in a group of friends? Have you ever felt rejected? Have you ever felt like that, someone knew every, that if someone knew everything about you that they wouldn't possibly be able to say to you, I love you still? If, everyone, if someone knew all the secrets you had, um, the secrets that you keep hidden, if they knew the truth about what you've done, what you've thought and what you've said, would anyone say to you, I love you still? In the beginning, in Genesis 2, God uh, said that it's not good for man to be alone. So he said, I'm going to make a helper fit for man. So God made a woman. In Genesis 1, God says, let us make man in our image. And so he made a male and a female in his image. And then in Genesis 2, again, in verses 24 through 25, we see the first marriage between a man and a woman. It's Adam and Eve, image bearers, coming together, becoming one flesh. And this is what it says. Therefore, a man's going to leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they will become one flesh. And the man and wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. What happens in Genesis three, immediately after they sin, it says they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. It is not good for you and I to be alone. God does create marriage. And part of its purpose is to fight against loneliness. It's not good for us to be alone, but marriage is not just about you not being lonely or your spouse not being lonely. It's not just an antidote to our loneliness, which is, that's what I made it in high school. It was all about me not being alone. So I wanted to get married. I wanted a relationship. I wanted an intimate friendship. Marriage is so much more than that. Marriage is a way that we bear God's image and fullness. We see in Genesis 2 that God makes Adam a wife so that he, yes, so that he won't be alone, but also so that he would have someone who would help him do the work that God has given him, a helper. And what was Adam's work? It was to spread the Garden of Eden. It was to take the Garden of Eden to all the corners of the earth and to spread God's kingdom and to bring it upon the planet. It was to glorify God and to bear his image. God's plan for marriage is about Fixing is more about, is, 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 is about, yes, it's about loneliness. It's about you not being alone, but it also involves a mission. It also involves a call. 
And part of that call, and the big part of the call, the only part of the call that matters and to follow is, is the mission to glorify God, to bear his image and to love God more. In high school, I wish I understood that more. Um, I wish I understood that there was a meaning and purpose behind my dating relationships. I wish there was meaning and purpose. I wish there was, I understood that there was meaning and purpose behind my singleness um, and behind my loneliness. I, I ruined and destroyed a lot of friendships and relationships because I made them about me and I made it about them filling my void in my heart. I made it about them uh, having to fix my loneliness. And I saw it as the antidote to my pain of rejection. One time, I think I've shared this before, but when I was in middle school, a girl said, Mikey, uh, you're not uh, someone that I would ever want to marry, but you have a really good personality. Um, and it hurt me. I still remember her name. <laughs> Hillary. Gosh, dang it, Hillary. <laughs> no, not Clinton, not Hillary Clinton. Um, Yes, um, marriage was made that, so that man wouldn't be alone, but there's more to it. It's an adventure. It's a call. There's work to do as a husband and wife. It's not to only fall in love with one another, but it's to fall more in love with your God and to share that love with the world. So what's the mission to marriage? What's your mission? What's your purpose in your dating relationships? What's your purpose in your friendships? It's to glorify God it's to bear his image and to show the world that God, what God's love looks like. So how is this accomplished between two people who are sinful? What does this look like between a husband and a wife? It first starts always with Jesus. Ephesians 5, 25, it says, Jesus loved the church. Jesus loved the church and he gave himself up for her. One of the things that I wish I heard in, in high school was this. I wish I, and what I needed to hear was this, um, uh, because I was chasing after these relationships, hoping to find my lovability in those relationships. And what I needed to hear was this, Mikey, you're already loved unconditionally. Mikey, someone already knows every single thing about you and all your secrets, and he still chooses you, and he still loves you. Mikey, he loves you so much that he would lay down his life for you so that you could be washed clean so that your sins could be forgiven. In Romans, Paul says that while we were still sinners, while we we're still God's enemies, Jesus gave his life up for us. Why? Because he loves me, because he loves you, and he loves God. Jesus loves you so much that he gave himself up for you. When Jesus gave up his life for you, he did it because it was God's will. He wanted to glorify his father and obey it. He was showing the world what God's love looks like. If you're a Christian today, you already have the most powerful relationship you could possibly have, the most meaningful relationship you could possibly have. You're already married. Your relationship with Jesus is far better than a marriage. It's far better. If you believe in Jesus and follow him, you are not alone. You are not rejected. You are lovable and you matter. It is from this love that we are transformed from lonely, rejected, and unlovable people to beautiful. Look at Ephesians 5, 26 through 27. What does Jesus' love by him, by, it says, by, he gave himself up for his church. And what does that love do to his church? It sanctifies his church. It sanctifies you, which means it, it makes you pure. It consecrates you. It sets you apart for holiness. It cleanses you and washes you. It makes you beautiful. 
Jesus lays down his life so that you can become lovely. To the Christians in this room that are feeling that loneliness, that are feeling that rejection, that feeling unlovable, you already have the best relationship you can have. Your marriage is never going to be enough for you. Coming from someone who's married, it's not enough. I am married and I still long for more. But it's in Jesus that I find all the goodness, all the beauty, all the hope. It's always been about Jesus and it always will be about Jesus. So know that you're already married. You already have a covenant relationship with God the Father. You have Jesus. When I was um, in seminary, um, I was in St. Louis. Uh, I was engaged to Emily. We had made a promise to each other that we were, we, we were going to, on December 29th, take vows and commit our lives to each other forever until death do us part. And I, was, I had to leave her. She was in Tallahassee. I had to leave her, go long distance um, for four to five months. And so I, I go to St. Louis. She's in Florida, Tallahassee. I'm in St. Louis. I'm living in someone's basement. It only has one window in the basement. Um, and it's just this dark, depressing time in my life. Um, and I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know, absolute, I absolutely knew nobody there. I, I was meeting new people for the first time, all by myself. Um, and I was rejected. Um, I, I didn't quite fit in. I didn't belong. Um, I fell into depression. Um, I fell into darkness. Um, I struggled. Um, and I could feel all my sin welling up inside of me. I felt dirty. I felt unclean. I felt unlovable and ugly and disgusting. And then as the day drew closer and closer to the day I was going to get married, I was afraid to tell Emily what was going on in my life. I was afraid to tell her about my mental health. I was afraid to tell her um, about my sins. I was afraid to tell her about what I was going through. But for whatever reason, um, I decided it was the most fair thing to do was just to call her and tell her and confess um, and just let her know, like, this is where I'm at. Um, I'm really struggling. I'm having a really hard time. And so a month before we were to get married, I called her and I told her everything, um, everything uh, that I was hiding from her. I was ashamed. Um, and so I revealed my heart and vulnerability. I shared everything. And I, I was expecting that at the end, after I finished sharing, that she would say, all right, we, we can't get married. I even said that at the end. I said, you cannot marry me. I am not worthy to be married. I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm not worthy to be accepted. I'm not worthy of any of that. Uh, I do have a good personality though, okay? So I, I, that's one thing I got going for me, okay? I have a good personality. And what she said in response to that has changed my life. What Emily said to me is, Mikey, I still want to marry you. Not because of anything that you've done or haven't done, but because Jesus loves you. And because he loves you, so do I. Emily pointed me to Jesus. Marriage is about Jesus. It's about doing to each other what Jesus has already done to us. That is the mission. The mission of a husband and the mission of the wife is to help their spouse love Jesus more than themselves. The mission of marriage is to love Jesus more. This is, um, this is, this is good news for us. Uh, Jason, I forgot to bring in a whiteboard, but Jason was telling me, um, giving me a picture of what um, a marriage should look like. He said, you have one person over here. Let's say uh, Mikey over here. You have Emily over here, okay? And then you have God up here. So you have like this triangle 
relationship. Can you guys visualize that? Mikey over here, Emily over here. Now, a lot of times we're told that marriage um, is about each other. So if you are making it about each other and about your needs, then what you guys are going to encounter is conflict. You're going to run into each other. Conflict. All right. So Emily's like coming at me. I'm coming at her and we're running into each other. Conflict. But if we make it about the mission of glorifying God, as I draw closer to God, as she draws closer to God, we come side by side, closer, not against each other, but with each other, heading in the same direction. I was like, that's a beautiful picture of exactly what the mission of marriage is. It has to be more than you. It has to be more, it has to mean something more than just yourself. You have to have a common mission, a common goal, um, and that is to glorify God um, and to bring the Garden of Eden to all the corners of the earth um, by following him. And so as you guys do that, as you draw near to God, um, you will actually draw near to each other because in God, you'll find each other's hearts are already there because you are already married to Jesus. So I wanna give you guys some questions to think about. Even some of you guys who are in relationships, these are questions I want you guys to ask to reflect and to think, is this relationship on a mission, on a common goal to glorify God in this relationship? Okay, so this is a little bit of application for you guys. You guys ready? All right. Does the person that you're in a relationship with, do they love Jesus more than you? Do they love Jesus more than they love you? So for those who are in a relationship, who want to be in a relationship. You're looking for someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. Do they talk about their relationship with Jesus with you? Do they? Do they share about what Jesus is doing in their life? Do they follow Jesus? Do they talk about how they want to grow closer to Jesus? Just think about that. The second question is, does being in a relationship with them lead you closer to God or further away? Does being in relationship with this person actually make you want to know God more? Or does it, want you, does it make you want to hide from God? Does it make you ashamed? Um, does, also, does this relationship increase your friendships with the people around you? Or does it pull you further away from your friends? All right, does it draw you closer to God or does it bring you closer to your friends? Because if it's pulling you away from God and if it's pulling you away from your friends, it's probably not a relationship that is following God. Okay, I'm just letting you guys think about that. Because good relationships draw you closer to your friends. They help you to be a better friend. They help you to be um, a better follower of Christ. And then the other thing to think is, do they have good friends? What are their friends like? Are their friends encouraging to each other? Do they support each other? Do they love each other well? Or are they mean? Just think about it. What are their friends like? And the other thing is like, do they have a vision and mission for their life? Do they have dreams? Listen, it sounds like all the movies, they make it sound really good. Like you want a boy, you want a girl who's all about you. You just, that's who you're looking for. It's all about making you happy. Let me tell you, when you get married to someone whose their whole life mission is about making you happy, your life will be miserable in that marriage. I'm telling you right now, there's no one who can make you happy. No one. Do not seek people whose their life mission is to make you happy, to fill you up. That is not, that, no one can do that. The only person capable of doing that is Jesus. And that's the only person you can find that in. You want someone, you want to marry someone who has a bigger dream and vision than you, mission than you. Uh, I, I've had friends, they, 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 they literally uh, made their whole relationship about each other 
they lost contact with all the friends around them. Uh, they pulled themselves out of the church. They pulled themselves out of community. Uh, they ended up getting married. Um, and then they ended up getting a divorce within a year. And the reason is, is because when they got married, they realized they weren't happy. And so they broke up and they got divorced because the goal was just to get married. The mission was just marriage. Well, you got married and then they were stuck with each other. And they're like, I actually don't like you. We accomplished the goal. We got married, but now what? And they're like, I don't know. And they didn't know. And so they divorced each other within a year. You want to marry someone whose mission and vision is to follow God, is to draw closer to him, is to glorify him. That's who you want to marry. That's who you want to be around. When I ask these questions, I think about myself in high school. I think about my relationship with Emily. I did not, we did not do this right. We didn't do this well. We messed up all the time. Okay? There's someone else still involved who we leaned on when we made mistakes. All right? And like, we would fight each other and have arguments. And it was really because I was looking to Emily to fill a need inside of me that only God could fill. And she was doing the same thing to me. We're putting expectations on each other. And we're overwhelming each other. And I had to confess, Emily, I made you an idol. And she'd be like, Mike, I made you an idol. We've had to confess that over and over to the Lord, to God. So many times we've actually pulled ourselves away further from God in our own life, in our own marriage. And so this is convicting for me, and I'm married. I want you guys to know that in Jesus, though, broken marriages, broken people can come together. Sinners can come together. They can forgive each other. And they can do life together and they can walk in his grace and his mercy. He forgives you. He forgives you. And he loves you no matter what. There's nothing that can separate you from his love because he's committed to you. And he's also the one, when you don't keep the vow, who sacrifices his life for you so you don't have to lose your life. That's powerful because we're never going to keep it and we're never going to do it right. All right. The mission of marriage is to love Jesus more. The mission of your relationship is to love Jesus more. So talk in your small groups tonight about that, okay? And, uh, and then afterwards we'll have cereal. Um, let me pray for you guys. Um,